0: This episode is dedicated to the memory of Loretta Ball. When great events in history occur, do witnesses realize the importance? Looking back on my time now, I realize I was one of the lucky ones, privileged to tell the stories of those times. I'm Orville Mulligan sports writer. When great events in history occur, these are the moments that the vigilant newspaperman continuously search. But oftentimes, the march of history progresses based on the tiniest of steps. Thousands of individual triumphs over adversity can comprise an entire thrust forward for us all. This is one such story.
1: Gesundheit.
2: Atisui. Gesundheit.
1: Atisui.
2: Gesundheit. Oh.
1: This is getting ridiculous. What's wrong with you?
0: Sorry. Sorry. I've got some kind of flu.
1: Oh, great. Sports scribes sicken several with plague. You really should be wearing a face mask. Maybe an entire gas mask. Why are you even here infecting us all anyway?
0: I'm waiting to cab to Tube City Ring for the King Ward ticket.
1: Uh, okay. So I understood all of those words, but this sentence was absurdité complète. He's covering the boxing at the arena downtown.
0: You did call a taxi, Marla?
2: Of course, Orville. They're not scheduled to arrive for another 13 minutes, but I cannot vouch for the timeliness or efficiency of the Pullman Taxi Company. Oh, boy.
1: Longest 13 minutes of Russo's life imminent. Tell you what, typhoid Mary, you just stay on that side of the room while I finish this. (coughs) Gesundheit.
2: Orville, I don't think you're capable of covering this fight. Nonsense. I can't... I can... (coughs) Be sensible, Orville. There's no need to infect us all. Go home. Go to bed. In fact, don't even bother. You look like you might not survive the trip. You can stay in the guest room upstairs. Take tomorrow off. Though that will leave a serious gap in sports tomorrow. Or what else is worth covering before the weekend?
0: Well, there's the uh the uh
1: Look, never mind. Let's see. <laughs> Why don't you just cover it yourself? What? Why don't you just go to this boxing match and cover it? I mean, I've read your writing. You can write.
2: I don't think that's That's a-,
1: a very interesting idea. You've always said you wanted to write sports? Yes. This is your chance then. And think about this. You, Marla Delft, the first ever woman to write about boxing for a major metropolitan newspaper. Okay, major-ish. Besides, what's the boss going to do? Fire you?
2: You know, you're right, Myrtle. This is my chance. I've never actually seen a boxing match before, but I've read everything in the papers about it. And I can write just as well as any male sports writer can. Hey. I'll do it. I'll do it. Just one more thing. How do I look?
3: You don't look like no reporter I've ever seen.
2: Well, I'm not wearing this hat out of a sense of fashion. See the press card?
3: Yeah. I know. You work for some paper I've never heard of.
2: The Pittsburgh Guardian.
3: Whatever you want to call it, what sort of an outfit would send a dame to cover a second-rate boxing car?
2: Well, mine didn't, exactly. Yours
3: didn't, exactly. It's bad enough that the papers are full of mierda about bot fighters and throne fights. Now they send some tootsie to cover us? Do you know anything about boxing?
2: I've never attended a match as such.
3: What a shocker.
2: But I'm quite well-read on the subject, and have a fond appreciation for nearly all sporting endeavors.
3: Reading and knowing are completely different matters. At the top of
2: the card tonight is a light middleweight match between John King and Johnny Ward. Though hardly George Chip versus Fred Claus, this bout, like any other sporting competition, has its share of interesting storylines. To wit... King has become known over the past four to five years mostly for his ability to absorb punishment and his overall longevity. In what may be the conquest of wisdom, however, King has enjoyed a recent run of five knockouts in a row.
3: Six in a row, actually, but I'll give that to you.
2: His opponent, Johnny Ward, is still publicly perceived as a young buck, perhaps due to his entrance into the fight game at the age of 16, unofficially. After certain unsubstantiated rumors proliferated about him, Mr. Ward relocated to Buffalo, New York, where reportedly has honed a sharp edge to his already not unreasonable skills.
3: So you can talk facts like an almanac. But if you don't mind me saying so, a classic dame like you can't possibly know what combat sports are
2: all about. The current world heavyweight champion is Jack Dempsey, of whose title defenses I've twice heard on radio. The Carpentier fight and the most recent title defense this September about Lupus Furpo, wild bull of the Pampas, Dempsey's uppercuts are said to be the strongest punches ever thrown by man. As for this classy dame not knowing anything about combat sports, since it appears as though you are occupied only with the shaking down of honest journalists, why don't you instruct me in some of the finer points of the sport?
3: (laughs) Ah, you almost had me there. I don't go much for pranks.
2: Mr. I'm sorry, what was your name?
3: Conway, Mountain Conway.
2: Mountain Conway? Didn't you have, I think, three fights in Pittsburgh a while ago?
3: More than a while ago, and more than three, just most weren't in the papers.
2: Well, Mr. Conway, I am much more than the occasional sports writer for the Pittsburgh Guardian. I also serve as office manager, copy editor, proofreader, general quality control maintenance, advertisement, sales, receptionist, and occasional personal assistant to the editor-in-chief, my father, Frank Delft. As such, with the Guardian's regular sports writer currently infirm and space in the Thursday edition of the paper currently lacking, I made the executive decision to assign myself this story. Now, I don't care whether you address me as ma'am, lady, classy dame, or dolly bird, and I don't care whether you think a woman can write intelligently about boxing. I have worked very hard to make my newspaper a success and to learn the skills of this trade, and you wouldn't make a man prove his most basic qualifications while I get the third degree. I intend to write this piece come hell or high water, and if the angle is local boxing manager takes anti-woman stance, then so be it.
3: Your father is the editor-in-chief of this Guardian? That's right. But he didn't send you to cover this.
2: Not as such, no.
3: Huh. Come on then, pioneer lass. Let me show you what boxing looks like from the front row. And
1: you're a winner by disqualification. Weaver!
2: They gave the match to Weaver because of the knockdown? Kidney punch. Gets you DQ'd every time. That's unfortunate. He might have won fair and square. Nah. You honestly think so? He seems so much more... fluid. More... technically proficient.
3: He should. He's a YMCA instructor. But Bratton had him on the defensive the entire time. Fighting back to the corner may give vision temporarily to get out of a jam. But it's no way to win a fight, even on this level.
2: I have so much to learn
3: but not nearly as much as you think and certainly not as much as I thought. I caught Dempsey once before he became champ back in 18. I was back from the war traveling a bit.
2: Traveling?
3: You know me too well already, Miss Delft. Alright, so I was drifting living out of trains Finding silence when I could, work when I had to. Did that for a year and a half, couple of years, maybe. When I heard about this kid, Dempsey, who fought like a genius and hit like the kick of a prize mule.
2: Oh, good turn of phrase.
3: (laughs) Thanks, but it's not mine. So I heard he was fighting at the old Peppers Park outside of Newark. I hopped a couple of lines to get there in time, even though I had a hard time believing that some palooka from Colorado would fill a baseball park. Boy, was I wrong. There were maybe 20,000 people there, the biggest crowd I'd ever been in. And the crazy thing was I felt great. Ever since going over there, I hated crowds, hated people, really, the sound of them, the smell, But there, it was all okay. I didn't even crave a drink. The undercard was interesting enough, kept my attention. But then, Dempsey entered the ring and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was like seeing a Roman emperor or something. The gravity of him just pulled everyone's eye to him. He was matched against Fred Fulton, a pretty fair fighter
2: better than pretty fair he's won 53 fights 49 by knockout
3: <laughs> well he wasn't winning on this day the bell rings Dempsey charges bam with the right bam with the left to the gut Fulton staggers and then wham a left to the head a right uppercut You could have heard him Brooklyn Fulton gets dragged back to his corner and Dempsey probably didn't even break a sweat in 30 seconds it was over
2: Twenty-three, actually. It's the second shortest heavyweight fight of the modern era.
3: Do you know everything about everything, Miss Delft?
2: I don't know your name. Of course you
3: do. I told you. It's Mountain Conway.
2: Mr. Conway. I've been reading birth notices along with the rest of several newspapers since I could read, and I cannot honestly recall a single one of them telling of a baby christened with the name Mountain. This is it. Phew, I haven't walked that far in quite some time. Thank you, therefore, Mr. Conway, for not only an edifying and entertaining evening, but for some valuable heart-pumping exertion.
3: My pleasure, Miss Delft. I look forward to reading your story on Thursday.
2: I'm confident you won't be disappointed. Are you really going to walk all the way back? Sure. They don't
3: need me at the gym until noon tomorrow.
1: Ah, the sportsman's life. Ward, bleeding profusely, battled on with the heart of a warrior, albeit one of more will than discipline. King's conservative stance against Ward's hacks in the fight's gloaming was peppered with the occasional incursion of body blows to Ward's ever-weakening defenses. Ward valiantly survived the length of the fight, but almost as though preordained, the wily oldster King was deemed winner by unanimous decision of the judges. Annie August, sports writer. Well, what do you say? The prose is delightful, as is the economy of language, but the sports, you know, c'est du chinois pour moi. It's all Greek to me. Shouldn't you be asking
2: Orville about this? He's still sick, and I'm not going to expose myself to those germs. Any August is a brave choice for a gnome de plume. Well, I certainly didn't want to make my assignment to the story look like nepotism, though it is. Seriously, Myrtle, do you
1: think Father will like it? Come on, you're a tremendous writer. He'll love it.
0: I hate it. How could you okay this? Okay what, sir? The
4: boxing piece. Ward crowned by King?
0: Oh, that one. It's actually a pretty clever headline, don't you think?
4: The headline's not the problem. It's the story.
0: What's wrong with it? The writing?
4: Yes, the writing. The tone is all wrong. It's like, it's... It's... it's too good for this sort of coverage.
0: Too good?
4: Yes, too good. This is the sports, dammit, not opera. And who is this Annie August, anyway?
0: Some floozy you made a pillow promise to? Uh, Mr. Delft, I don't think you should You're say- right
4: about that, son. You didn't think.
0: Now listen,
4: have you recovered up enough to get back to work with a clear head? I think so. Good. I'm spiking this story put me together something i can use instead of this piece i need seven column inches get something off the wire if you have to i don't want to see this annie august or any other woman on my sports pages period i don't care what you have to do to score with the ladies but you're not giving them space in this newspaper
2: Pittsburgh Guardian.
3: Hello, is that you, Miss Delft?
2: Oh, hello, Mr. Conway. What can I do for you today?
3: Hey, I looked for your story in today's paper, but didn't see it.
2: What gives? The story was deemed not appropriate for publication. It seems our esteemed editor didn't want a sports story written by a woman.
3: Your own father killed your story?
2: I used a pseudonym, but yes, he did.
3: How would you like a chance at a story that he couldn't refuse, like say, a story you could take to another newspaper if he doesn't publish
2: it? Go on.
3: How about an exclusive interview with Sammy Mandel, the Rockford Flash, the Bow of Boxing, and the next lightweight champion of the world by his own reckoning? How the hell are you? (laughs) Hey, how was California? (laughs) And Hollywood. (laughs) You are too much, Sammy. So, hey, the reporter I told you about, she's right here. How much time can you spare? (laughs) Sammy, Sammy, be civilized. I want you to remember she's a friend of mine. Also, I'm still heavyweight class. <laughs> what can I say? I'm eating well. So, hey, here she is.
2: Hello, Mr. Mendel. I'm Marla Delft of the Pittsburgh Guardian. Thank you very much for agreeing to this interview today.
5: My pleasure, Mr. Delft. And please, call me Ted or Chance.
2: Ah, but you're not champion yet, Mr. Mandel.
5: That may be so at present, but as Dr. Einstein might say, it's a matter of time.
2: (laughs) All right then, Sammy. What brings you to New York so far in advance of your fight with Jack Bernstein? Extra training?
5: I hardly believe I need extra training from Mr. Bernstein. He's yet to see the likes of me, and I should polish him off with ease. I'm now here in the East after ruling the Midwest and West to push my campaign further for the championship belt. I want you fine folks in the media to spread the word of inevitability of Sammy Mandel's reign.
2: Nevertheless, how inevitable does the public believe that championship is after your loss to Phil Salvador? Far be it
5: for a gentleman to make excuses in the face of the team. However, if I were to account for implacable forces of faith, I might suggest that I'd rather have faith in your salvatore have you been the one competing in his fourth four-round bout in 13 days. I see. And after I'm through with Mr. Bernstein, I plan to bomb hard the crit media, the radio waves, the billboards if I must, to get a fight with Benny Lennon. I will haunt his dreams, I will camp on his trail, I will buzz his Betty, and I will not fail to earn my shot.
2: But first things first, right?
5: That Bernstein is too old to handle my speed not wise enough to read my
2: attention. He's 25, and he was junior lightweight champion for six months last
5: year. My point exactly.
2: Okay. On a possibly related subject, you're about as well-known among the national press corps for your sartorial taste as for your fancy footwork. Is your exuberance in fashionable attire in any way related to your quest for a championship title?
5: What an excellent question.
2: Thank you. I made it myself.
5: You are quite the humdinger, Miss Dell,
2: And you are quite the charmer, Sammy.
5: Now, I thank you, but to answer your question and spin your well-spun phrase even further, I want the exuberance I show in the ring to show everywhere I go. The message one should read from these clothes is, my class is matched only by my flash, the smartness of my dress matched only by the dressiness of my smartness.
2: Who do you include among your chief
1: influences?
5: Well, there's myself, of course. Of course. But I suppose my first and most important figure in my boxing career was certainly Fred Giant. the for him, where I started out. Back in his day, they called him the singing Boxer. And I tell you, he was about as good at both. <laughs>
1: For just as Eusebius of Caesarea recorded for eternity the names and feats of the champions of the ancient Olympiads, so too shall today's scribes of America record the elite of our games. And we'll one day surely find the name Sammy Mandel prominent among them. (laughs) Mon Dieu, what a character. And a catch? He's educated, eloquent, wears nothing but top-label clothes, and confidence to spare. Do you have a picture to run with this? An illustration. Oh la la, je suis amoureuse. It's true what they say about this guy. He really is Valentino-esque. Show me a few more jocks who look like this, and I may give sports writing a try. Oh,
2: you know me. I only have eyes for Hannes Wagner.
0: Good evening, Marla. Bonsoir, Madame Rousseau. Bonsoir. Just came in to check on the boards. Say, isn't that... Um... Sammy Mandel,
1: the lightweight boxing contender? Non, chérie. He's the competition.
0: Competition?
1: Pour l'accord de Marla, imbécile. Bonsoir!
0: So I may have just scored a very interesting interview.
1: Really?
2: Well, as a matter of fact, so did I. No kidding. With whom?
0: Him. Sammy Mandel? How did you get an interview with Sammy Mandel? Through a friend. Some friend? I'd sure like to meet him. That would be one valuable contact for me.
2: Careful what you wish for.
0: Have you written it up yet? Ha! Hmm. hmm Hmm. Marla, this is excellent. What a quote Factory Mandel is. I might have asked a different question or two, but this is really something. What are you going to do with it?
2: What do you think? It's running in the paper. An exclusive interview with the next lightweight champion of the world by any August.
0: Okay, we can discuss that at the next editorial meeting. Off the top of my head, I'd say Tuesday will have space.
2: It's in tomorrow's paper. What? It's in tomorrow's Pittsburgh Guardian newspaper. And Frank approved this? Father has been negotiating an advertisement sale with a client. He won't be back until midnight to check the press run, and by then it will be far too late for him to do anything about it. I wasn't about to let anyone kill this story. But what about my article? Orville, this isn't exactly the peak of the season, and so I figured the greater Homestead, Oakland area can wait one more day for an assessment of Pennsylvania horse racing. I made an editorial decision.
0: And it's running under the Annie August byline?
2: What's wrong with Annie August? Among other useful qualities, it's highly alphabetically advantageous.
0: Maybe you should have run with something more.
2: More what? More masculine? Like George Sand? for example. That name's been taken. Or maybe just run it without a byline. You know, try and not draw too much attention. But the byline is the point, Orville. The Pittsburgh Guardian should take pride in its status as the publisher of that insightful and clever woman sports writer with the peppy and precise prose style Annie August. But... Listen, Orville, I have given essentially my entire life to the well-being of this paper, business, and end product. I am involved in essentially every part of the process of publication. I have knowledge of nearly every aspect of publication, and my English language skills are, I dare say, second to none. If there is a single more qualified person to occasionally draft an article on a subject on which one is passionate than she who controls the means of production, I should very much like to hire that person.
0: Since when did covering a third-rate boxing match become the Bolshevik Revolution? It's the
2: 20s. Women have rights, you know. I know, but, uh, never mind. Let me at least proof the boards. Done and gone. What? Done and gone. They're already downstairs getting plated. Jesus. Enough with the nervous Nelly bit. What's Father gonna do? Fire me? No, he'll fire me. Ah, he's here. Coming! Mr. Conway... Come in, come in. For you. Thank you.
3: And also for you.
2: My, so continental. And how dapper you look. Have you been taking advice from our mutual friend?
3: Hey, everything that dandy Sammy learned about dressing, he learned from me. Oh, certainly.
2: <laughs> Orville, be a dear and put these in a vase, would you? Uh. Oh, uh, Orville Mulligan, this is Mountain Conway. Mountain, Orville.
0: Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you. That's quite a grip there, Mountain.
2: Mountain, dear. Wait here for a moment. I need to get my nice jacket upstairs.
0: Yes, ma'am. So, you must be Marla's friend. How she got the Mandel interview. That's right. And you? You're in the boxing game, too?
3: I had a few fights sometime back. And a few more that weren't in the papers.
0: And you met Marla Howe?
3: She was covering the King Ward fight the other night. I helped her with some of the finer points of the sport.
0: Huh. And tonight? With
3: all due respect, what business is it of yours, mister?
0: Well, I, uh, I'm just curious. You best
3: be careful about that curiosity
0: there. Sorry. Occupational hazard.
3: Aren't you going to vase those flowers?
0: Yes, right. Now, where is that damn thing? What is the price for professional success? On August 17, 1920, Ray Chapman was killed by a baseball thrown by a New York Yankees pitcher. A young man named Joe Sewell was brought in from New Orleans to play shortstop for the eventual World Series champion. That year, Sewell hit 329 while starting the final 22 games of the regular season. In 1921, Sewell started at shortstop for all 154 games, hit 318 and struck out just 17 times in 683 plate appearances. After missing a game the following year in September 12th due to a headache, Sewell was reinserted into the starting lineup on the 13th. He has since started in 324 consecutive games with no usurping in sight in Cleveland. Ray Chapman, while not exactly forgotten, is becoming not much more than a faded shadow in the bright lights of a superstar. I was beginning to feel a bit like Chapman. Metaphorically speaking, that is. I knew better than to stand in Marla's way. I had to trust what she was doing, though utterly out of character. I'd never seen her take up any sort of political cause, and this whole thing was becoming akin to a crusade. Marla was playing the liberated anarchist, flying in the face of her own father's convictions, upending order, and with only my job on the line.
2: Ready!
0: All right.
3: I've got the driver waiting. The matches start in 50 minutes. Plenty of
0: time. Matches? Yes, I'm covering another story. In sports? What, boxing? Wrestling? Billiards.
3: (laughs) Billiards is more than a game. It's physical. Well, more physical than an outsider might guess. Billiards is wearing the miles run up, pacing the table, the bending of the knees. They fade your shooting stance, as persistent as erosion until the ligaments crumble. But in your prime, you're working fine. In billiards, you can overcome luck
2: and fate with your body. Diamond Street Arena played host to the latest match in the Interstate Three-Cushion Billiard League in what was ultimately an impressive showcase for young local up-and-comer Billy Greenwood last evening. Greenwood, who hails from Tarentum and is representing the McCourt Hills parlors of our city, held former national champion Johnny the Diamond King Layton of St. Louis to a 1-1 draw in the double-header match. The first match was a true tug of war after a hot start got Leighton off to a big 21 12 lead after 22 innings. But Billy fought back over the next nine innings with both nifty shots and leads that disallowed the King from employing his famed diamond strategy. In the 42nd, Greenwood landed one natural, then another, and set a third hurtling crosswise and back to take a 35 34 lead. He chased by again, crossing the table, but this time the reverse English sent the cue ball dancing back to complete the shot and dazzle the crowd. Leighton, the champion, suddenly challenger, was visibly impressed.
3: If billiards is considered a sport, then it's the only such in which precision outweighs the power and the body is subservient to mind. There's no use slamming the cue ball, no matter how clean your shot. Google is no pursuit for the world's Babe Ruths and Gene Saracens, nor may the mental aspect completely subsume the proceedings. The most rudimentary, innate feel for geometry can show you the angles in crystal clear detail, but the body must actualize
2: the math. Leighton came back to knot up the score at 40, then extend the lead to four with a neat end rail shot. But our Billy showed off his arsenal in reply, with a circuit drive and corner shot sandwiched by two naturals. The match got more grueling late, threatening to become a marathon before it was over. Up 49 to 44 in the 56th, Greenwood came up short on a fairly clear natural to open the door once more for Leighton. Perhaps bowing to the inevitable after one point, Layton submitted with the game's only safety and four innings later gave our Billy the game's easiest lead. He converted. He won. Final score, Billy Greenwood of Pittsburgh 50, Johnny Layton of St. Louis 45 in 57 innings.
3: is science made manifest in a contest of
2: wills. On this day, in this game, before a knocked out hometown crowd, Billy Greenwood had arrived. in the 49th. If Greenwood doesn't answer Leighton after he scored four, Billy might have lost. He was converting everything Leighton left for him for almost 50 innings. How long could he keep that up? You saw what happened in the second match. Your hold
3: on the game is pretty remarkable for someone who's never seen a good match.
2: Why thank you, Mr. Conway. Did you ever play?
3: Pool? Nah. I mean, sure. I'll play to mess around, maybe sometimes take a bunch or two off some duffer who doesn't know better. But I never played at anything like this level we saw tonight. My hands are way too messed up to really get the feel for it. Oh my. That's what happens when you live on your hands over 2,000 miles. May I? Yes. That right there? That's when I trapped it in a coal oven door. Could have singed it right off. That one? A railroad spike raised a hand, took a little bit right off with it.
2: Mr. Conway, Mountain, I think- Martin. What?
3: Martin. You ask my name. It's Martin. Martin Consuelo. It's not that I'm ashamed. It's more like I'm ashamed of Martin Conway, that I felt forced. To change my identity, just to get the slimmest of edges to barely scrape by. I hate Martin Conway, but outside of the ring, he carries me.
2: You don't have to explain anything to me.
3: Would you like your hand back?
2: Oh, uh, uh, yes. Yes, I was just... that is to say...
3: You don't have to explain anything to me. But you can answer me a question for once.
2: Yes, All right. Yes, sure. Please. Ask. Please. Why do you let your father cut your story? Well, firstly, he is the editor-in-chief. So, such a decision is his prerogative. Secondly, he is my father. And thirdly, I'm surprised you asked. Weren't you the one who said I was, in your words, a classy dame like you can't possibly know what combat sports are all about?
3: Okay, last first. I regret my previous judgment of you. I could not have guessed further from the truth.
2: Apology accepted.
3: As for the other reasons, I'm not buying either. To hear you tell it, you practically run that paper. And your natural instincts for boxing and pool are incredible.
2: You should read my work on baseball.
3: How can I?
2: Touché. See, Father claims to be enlightened and a 20th century thinker. But he's really not. Outside of his mad obsession for foolish gadgetry, he probably thinks a woman reporting on sports is wicked and immoral.
3: Ser diferente es ser indecente. To be different is to be indecent. That's not me. It's Jose Ortega y Gasset. Gasset? Heavyweight?
2: (laughs) Philosopher. I must take advantage of my new rights. I was too young to be a true suffragette, so I feel my vote is a tribute to the Sisters of the Cause who came before. Hmm. And you? Not to be indelicate, but do they let you vote, on account of you being, um...
3: You mean, me being an ex-boxer?
2: Exactly.
3: Ah, who's gonna stop me? Sure, this clan up here too, but the sheetheads up here are pure lightweights compared to the psychotic ghosts they got down south.
2: Well, you may be big, Mountain, but I doubt you're indestructible. You need to take care of yourself. Of
3: course. Who else will?
2: And here we are again. Looks like Father's still not back. I've got enough time to sneak back upstairs before the print run starts. Sneak
3: back upstairs? Weren't you the one just telling me to take care of myself?
2: Oh, trust me. I will take care of some things. Just not until tomorrow morning. For now, good evening, Mr. Consuelo.
3: Miss Delft, wait. One more question.
2: No, that's all right. I really should get going. Marla. Um, yes?
3: Can I... Will you let me maybe take you somewhere on an unprofessional basis?
2: Oh, Martine. I was afraid it would be something like that.
3: I, I know. I don't have a lot of money but I got some decent prospects in the fight game. Something more than bouncing. And I've never met a girl like yourself and... uh, It's not going to work, is it?
2: I just can't.
3: Because of the stick figure?
2: Stick figure? Oh, you mean Orville. (laughs) Haha, stick figure. That's pretty good. No, it's not him. I mean, no, no.
3: Is it because I'm, you know, an ex-boxer?
2: No, Martine. In these past few days, after we discussed the sport of boxing, that is, you've been kind and generous and open-minded and open-hearted and so much more. You are certainly also correct regarding the respect given me by my father. But it's this place, this world. This paper is my life. I can always just curl up into a ball of work, completely safe in a cushion of information and opinion, while staring outside at passing incident. Sometimes I can't tell where the Pittsburgh Guardian ends and where I begin. I used to think that was alright. For tw- For most of my life I've believed that. Now I'm not so sure.
4: You're fired! Wh- what? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, you are fired. It's just that I want to lead up to the big finish. You know, build a great story first. Uh. Do something for me, Orville. Grab any one of these guardians around here and read me the staff box.
0: Pittsburgh Guardian, founded 1869, editor in chief Franciscus F. Delft.
4: Now that was the important part of the purposes of this conversation. Read that again.
0: Editor in Chief Franciscus F. Delft.
4: That's right. That's my name. My name. In every single edition of this paper, attached to everything. To everything. Which appears in it, whether it's a Herman's byline or a Myrtle's or some bimbo you owe a favor to.
0: Mr. Delft, I really don't think that's fair.
4: Fair? This has nothing to do with fair. The newspaper isn't a democracy. You don't get to vote for some article like you vote for Coolidge.
0: I realize that, but
4: that's not Do you what I... have any idea what this looks like? Some female, obviously of less than firm character... I certainly wouldn't say that. ...saddles her way into this Don Juan's hotel room in New York...
0: It was a phone interview.
4: ...and then can't even stay with the focus of the interview? Probably because she wants the debauchery?
0: You're being completely unreasonable, Mr. Delft. And you are responsible... You brought
4: that untalented bed jumper to this paper, putting it on my name.
0: Frank, you are out of your mind.
4: And you're out of a job.
0: Be that as it may, I want you to take that back. Annie August is a fine writer who put together those articles with hard work and gumption.
4: Ah, balderdash. Get out, Orville. You're fired.
2: He is not fired, father. Marla, stay out of this. What? Stay out of this? For 20... For my whole life, you've been forcing me into everything. Now, today, I'm supposed to stay out? I don't think so.
4: Get your stuff out and yourself out, Orville.
2: Father, I will go with him. You
0: wouldn't.
1: I'll leave too.
2: Look,
0: maybe we can reach a compromise? Get Get out, out, Morgan. We'll discuss
1: discuss it it later.
0: later. All right. Should I, uh, leave the door open? Close Close it. it! Say, thanks for the show of solidarity, Myrtle.
1: Rien du tout. Bosses bark well worse than bite. Though, in all honesty, I'd give you about a 50 50 chance.
0: Glass to the door trick, huh?
1: Does that really work? Well enough. I'm not the city's best socialite writer for nothing. Non, tais toi, mon naïf jeune. for remembering names of
4: such. but I know what I'm, I'm reading. Of course, <laughs> I knew Annie August was you. Nobody else writes like that. It doesn't matter. Orville should have been covering that story and he shouldn't have assigned you to it.
2: Father, I volunteered to cover the King Ward fight. Orville was in no shape to attend, much less from a coherent narrative thereafter. In no shape?
4: A man has a cold so he can't sit and watch two mugs beating each other's brains
2: out? Actually, though Johnny Ward was something of a wanton flailer in the ring... King showed the composure of a gentleman and an absolutely stunning display of athletic grace that I might never have imagined had I not seen it myself. Marla,
4: women writing about sports, particularly boxing, just isn't done.
2: Ugh, you sound like Martine. Who the hell is Martine? He's the one that got me into the match. He used to fight as Mountain Conway. And
4: now, because Orville couldn't get past his sniffles, you're consorting with local mugs and hanging out in gyms?
2: Father... I was covering a story at Diamond. And Martine isn't just some mug. He's rather erudite and well-read. Have you read any of Gasset's works? Never! Well, Martine has. He also knows a surprising amount
1: about the art of...
2: So what are they talking about?
1: Well, now they're on to billiards. Before that, it was something about Ortega, E. Gasset, or... Or maybe about ordering a faucet? Uh, Enough of this, Marla.
4: I will not have my daughter writing sports for this newspaper like an indecent harlot. We will discuss your personal life later, but for now, never do I want to see anything like Annie August on the pages of my... Shut
2: up. Shut up, Father. Marla. No. This stops right here. Now you be quiet. Sit down and you listen to me for once. In this past week, I have been belittled condescended to, and now insulted by my own father. Repeatedly covering just these few stories, I have had to prove the simplest things taken for granted from other sports writers. Men. And at the very least, I should expect my editor-in-chief to have the guts to back his reporters.
4: Not if I don't know about it.
2: Father, I am not finished. I did what I did, controversial as it may be, despite what you may think, for the betterment of the Pittsburgh Guardian. You often drop that phrase, my newspaper, into these tirades of yours. Well, this building, this newspaper, this life isn't just your newspaper, it's me. It has been for twen- for 27 years. 27! I'm 27 years old, Father, and since I could walk, it's all I've known. I've never been anywhere to speak of, learned nothing through real experience but the newspaper trade. I was just telling Martine earlier about how I was too young to have been a suffragette. But what if I had been old enough? At very best, I'd have had to be objective for the good of the Guardian. For the good of the Guardian, that's Marla Delft in a nutshell. So yes, Father, I admit, I did a selfish thing. I worked hard writing a quality story on a subject of which I'm particularly impassioned. Not for any cause, not for any greater purpose, just because I wanted the sort of freedom demanded by the devotion of one's existence to anything. And if you find that unforgivable... Then just... Then let me go along with Orville.
4: let you go? Marla! You... You're all that's left! Will's gone... Joe and Irma moved, Eva, You wouldn't really leave, would you?
2: Oh, Father, how could you think that? There's going to have to be some changes, though. And first should probably be the location of your stash. How did you know
4: about that?
2: This is my life. Orville, I have two items to discuss with you. Isn't it slightly early to start? You should talk, Mr. CD sports writer type. Besides, I just saved your job.
0: Much obliged. Though I did hear earlier, thanks to Myrtle's glass.
1: Simple solution saves the day.
0: And the second item?
1: You really
2: would have lost your job for me, wouldn't you?
0: Yes. I definitely like that second item better. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Things did change after that, not massively, not so much as the Pittsburgh Guardian reader might notice. After all, it's often impossible to see the changes wrought in one woman's life against the constant turbulence of metamorphosis everywhere. Sammy Mandel did become lightweight champion of the world in 1926, though by beating Rocky, Kansas, as Benny Leonard had retired before taking up Sammy's challenge. Mandel ultimately fought in some 191 fights over the course of his career and was recognized as an all-time great lightweight. Billy Greenwood managed to stay in the pro ranks for a few more years, but never truly broke the region's top tier. Johnny the Diamond King Layton showed true staying power, however. He won the Three Cushion Billiards Championship 12 times in his career and set a still unbeaten record of 50 in just 23 innings. Calvin Coolidge won the election of 1924, served a modest and mostly uneventful full term as president, and chose not to run again in 1928. Martin has told me that he now goes by his given name in social situations, but he uses Mountain in the boxing world. He says it's better for business. As for said business, he's now managing fighters over in Atlantic City. He even got married and had a son. I know, I can hardly believe that one myself. As for me, I'm learning about Marla Delft. Poor Jay has been giving increasing amounts of responsibility. The price of providing free labor, I suppose. So I escape from the office for whole half days at a time. Sometimes completely randomly. Well, almost completely randomly. Funny how I think of it as an escape now. The first thing I did was go through all the Gassett books at the library. A fascinating, near-objective study of European sociopolitics. Then I went on to Bertrand Russell, Martin Heidinger, and some days I'll just go to the river and do absolutely nothing but watch the people to imagine their stories that will go forever untold but pour forth with meaning. These not maybe Orville's great moments in history, but these stories are all just as important. Like this one, The Emancipation of Annie August. Writer.
6: This has been Orville Mulligan Sports Writer, an audio drama podcast from number 80 Productions and the Sports History Network. Episode script and story by Oz Davis and Darren Hayes. Orville Mulligan Sports Writer stars Doug Fye, Ilana Fye, and Eric Bodwell. This episode co-stars in order of appearance, Gwyneth Doland. Danny Solis, Oz Davis, and Tegan M. Solis. Direction by Eric Bodwell with auto recording by Don MacGyver. The theme song of Orville Mulligan, Sportswriter writer, is the Dayton Triangle's Rag, and was arranged and performed by Bruce Smith. Additional original music provided by Zillerman Sound Studios and David Lizzo of Dynamo Stairs. Please see this episode's liner notes for the full soundtrack listing. Orville Mulligan Sports Writer is produced by Oz Davis and Darren Hayes. Series concept by Darren Hayes. Keep your dial locked to this podcast station for the next exciting episode of Orville Mulligan Sports Writer. Coming soon.